blood pressure, and shock. Call after call, we search for the patient for the obvious or unexpected in an attempt to save lives of those we treat. Sometimes our observations set the stage for a patient's remarkable recovery. Other times, the rest of the medical community ridicules our observations. The patient lies on your stretcher awaiting your care. But how much do you really know about your patient? Do you appreciate the intricate network of channels and valves that circulate a mysterious substance? Do you appreciate the miracle of a pump that in design is elegant yet has the ability to determine that something is wrong and work to fix the problem before the patient or you has even determined that one exists? With as much progress as mankind has made in the last 70 years in the fields of science, math, and related fields, we will always be surprised by the design and function of the human body. Hypertension. Blood pressure is the force of blood against the walls of arteries. Blood pressure rises and falls during the day. When blood pressure stays elevated over time, it is called high blood pressure. The medical term for high blood pressure is hypertension. High blood pressure is dangerous because it makes the heart work too hard and contributes to atherosclerosis, hardening of the arteries. It increases the risk of heart disease and stroke, which are the first and third leading causes of death among Americans. High blood pressure can also result in other conditions such as congestive heart failure, kidney disease, and blindness. A blood pressure of 140 over 90 or higher is considered high for most people. About two-thirds of people over 65 have high blood pressure. If your blood pressure is between 120 over 80 and 139 over 89 millimeters mercury, you have prehypertension. This means you don't have high blood pressure but are likely to develop it in the future. You can take steps to avoid to prevent high blood pressure by adopting a healthy lifestyle. Those who do not have high blood pressure at age 55 face a 90% chance of developing it in their lifetime. So high blood pressure is a condition that most people will have at some point in their lives. Both numbers in a, in a blood pressure test are important, but for people over 50 or older, systolic blood pressure gives the most accurate diagnosis of blood pressure. Systolic blood pressure is the top number in a blood pressure reading. If, if it is high, it is 140 over millimeters of mercury or above. On the ambulance or in an acute setting, we are usually more focused on the systolic measure of blood pressure. In a, in a controlled or clinical settings, like a clinic, the diastolic measurement is just as important as increased systolic blood pressure. Effects of high blood pressure. High blood pressure is the most important risk factor for stroke. Very high blood pressure can cause break and weakened blood vessels, which then bleeds into the brain. This can cause a stroke. If a blood clot blocks one of the narrowed arteries, it can also cause a stroke. High blood pressure can eventually cause blood vessels to burst in the eyes or bleed. Vision may become blurred or otherwise impaired and can result in blindness. As people get older, arteries to the body harden, especially those in the heart, brain, and kidneys. High blood pressure is associated with those stiffer arteries. This, in turn, causes the heart and kidneys to work harder. The kidneys act as filters to rid the body of waste. Over time, high blood pressure can narrow and thicken the blood vessels of the kidneys. The kidneys filter less fluid and waste builds up in the blood. The kidneys may fail altogether. When this happens, medical treatment, dialysis, or a kidney transplant may be needed. High blood pressure is a major risk factor for heart attack. The arteries bring oxygen-carrying blood to the heart muscle. In hypertension, the higher the normal pressures exerted on the blood pressure will often result in damage. This damage results in calcium or plaque deposits in the arteries as a result of the clotting cascade or healing process, resulting in narrowed coronary arteries. The problem is worsened by the fact that high blood pressure results in higher than normal myocardial oxygen demand, which over time will increase when the capacity of the coronary artery to replenish the myocardium is decreased. High blood pressure is the number one risk factor for congestive heart failure. 
Congestive heart failure is a serious condition which the heart is unable to pump enough blood to supply the body's needs. Shock. Shock or hypotension is a condition that will take your life or of your patient unless critical interventions are made in a timely manner. As an EMT, you are trained to recognize and treat shock. Treating shock can be a simple or complicated depending upon the underlying cause. This part of the lecture will cover shock, its causes, and associated treatment. No matter what type of shock you're dealing with, there are some interventions that are always appropriate. High flow oxygen, keeping the patient warm, stopping bleeding when bleeding is present and can be stopped, and rapid transport are the primary treatments for shock and should be performed for all types of shock. Communication with the emergency department is another key that will help ensure the patient survives. Much of what we know today come from the efforts of the military, which forms the majority of what we know about shock today. Another contributor to the body of knowledge about shock comes from Dr. R. Adams Cowley of Maryland. Dr. Cowley, a cardiologist by trade, noticed shock and referred to it as a momentary lapse before death. Dr. Cowley's research paves the way for the modern EMS system and our understanding of the treatment of shock. To this day, EMS and trauma centers of Maryland carry on the work of Dr. Cowley. Our understanding of shock allows us to identify and treat shock and in some cases anticipate and completely avoid it. Shock is a serious life-threatening medical condition where insufficient blood flow reaches the body tissues for oxygenation. As the blood carries oxygen and nutrients around the body, reduced flow hinders the delivery of these components to the tissues and can stop the tissues from functioning properly. The process of blood entering the tissues is called perfusion, so when perfusion is not occurring properly, this is called hypoperfusional state. Medical shock should not be confused with the emotional state of shock. I can say such as if you learn, if you just learn that you just won the lottery and pass out, as the two are not related. Medical shock is a life-threatening medical emergency and one of the most common causes of death for critically ill people. Shock can have a variety of efforts, all with similar outcomes, but all relate to the problem of the body's circulatory system. For example, shock may lead to hypoxia, a lack of, a lack of oxygen to the body tissues, or cardiac arrest, the heart stopping. There are three stages, but, but in some medical textbooks, of shock, though shock is complex and continuous condition, and there is no sudden transition from one stage to the next. Compensatory or compensating. The body employing a physiological mechanisms, including neurohormonal biochemical mechanisms, characterize this stage in an attempt to reverse the conditions. As a byproduct of metabolism, the body makes waste products. Many of the waste products are simply discarded through one system or another. However, special attention must be paid to the destruction of acids. Normally, the body would, using some enzymes, remove the hydrogen from the acidic compounds and combine with other elements in the body to form a volatile acid, which is an acid that can be broken down into carbon dioxide and water. In shock, the acidic compound created are not as easily broken down and build up in the bloodstream. The result is a metabolic acidosis as well as a, and as a result of the acidosis, the, pay, the person will begin to hyperventilate in order to get rid of carbon dioxide. Think of the acidosis as from the volatile acids. The baroreceptors in the artery detect the resulting hypotension and cause the release of epinephrine and norepinephrine. Norepinephrine causes predominantly vasoconstriction with a mild increase in heart rate, whereas epinephrine predominantly causes an increase in heart rate with a small effect on the vascular tone. The combined effort results in increased blood pressure. Renin-angiotensin axis is activated and arginine vasopressin is released to conserve fluid via the kidneys. Although these hormones cause the vasoconstriction of the kidneys, 
gastrointestinal tract, and other organs to divert blood to the heart, lung, and brain. The lack of blood to the renal system causes characteristic low urine production. However, the effects of the renin angiotensin axis take time and are of little importance to the immediate homeostatic mediation of shock. Progressive, decompensated. Should the cause of the crisis be, be successfully treated or not be successfully treated, the shock will proceed to the progressive stage and the compensatory mechanism will begin to fail. Due to the decreased perfusion in the cell, sodium ions build up within while potassium ions leak out. An anaerobic metabolism, a backup metabolism that temporarily exists in the absence of oxygen, continues increasing the body's metabolic acidosis. The arteriolar and precapillary sphincters constrict such that the blood remains in the capillaries. Due to this, the hydrostatic pressure will increase and combined with histamine release will lead to leakage of blood and protein into the surrounding tissue. As this fluid is lost, the blood concentration and viscosity increase, causing sludging and of the microcirculation. The prolonged vasoconstriction will also cause the vital organs to be compromised due to reduced perfusion. Refractory, irreversible. At this stage, the vital organs have failed and the shock can no longer be reversed. Brain damage and cell death have occurred. Various conditions are associated with this stage of shock, most notably acute respiratory distress syndrome. The patient may be managed temporarily on a ventilator, dialysis, cardiac balloon pumps, and other adjuncts in the intensive care unit. Death is the usual outcome. A goal of treating shock is to ensure that the patient never makes it to refractory shock. Since you never really know what stage of shock the patient has progressed to, your treatment may be in vain. Nevertheless, treat known or suspected shock aggressively and in accordance with your protocols. In 1972, Henshaw and Cox suggested the following classification that is still used today. It uses four types of shock, hypovolemic, cardiogenic, distributive, and obstructive shock. Hypovolemic shock. This is the most common type of shock and based on, in, based on insufficient circulatory volume. Its primary cause is loss of fluid from the circulation from either an internal or external source. An internal source may be hemorrhage. External source may include extensive bleeding, high, out high output fistulae, a connection between hollow organ and adjacent organ, or severe burns, plasma loss. Cardiogenic shock. This type of shock occur is caused by the failure of the heart to pump effectively. This can be due to damage to the heart muscle, most often the large myocardial infarction. Other causes of cardiogenic shock include arrhythmias, cardiomyopathy, congestive heart failure, contusio cortis, like the kid who gets hit in the, in the chest with a baseball and goes into cardiac arrest, Hashimoto syndrome, or cardiac valve problems. Distributive shock. As in hypovolemic shock, there is insufficient intravascular volume of the blood. This form of relative hypovolemia is the result of dilation of blood vessels, which diminishes va uh, systemic vascular resistance. Examples of this form of shock are septic shock, which is caused by an overwhelming infection uh, leading to vasodilation, such as gram-negative bacteria, or uh, which release an endotoxin, which produces an adverse biochemical, immunological, and occasionally neurological effects, which are harmful to the body. Gram-positive cocci, such as pneumococci and streptococci, and, and certain fungi, as well as gram-positive bacteria, produce a similar syndrome. Anaphylactic shock, caused by a severe anaphylactic reaction to an allergen, antigen drug, or, or foreign protein, causing the release of histamine, which, which causes widespread vasodilation, leading to hypotension and increased capillary permeability. 
Neurogenic shock is shock caused by the sudden loss of the autonomic nervous system sig uh, signals to the smooth muscle and vessel walls. This can result from severe central nervous system, brain and spinal cord damage, which the sudden loss of background sympathetic stimulation. The vessels suddenly relax, causing a sudden decrease in peripheral vascular resistance and decreased blood pressure. Spinal shock is a form of neurogenic shock. Spinal shock is caused by trauma to the spinal cord, resulting in the sudden loss of autonomic and motor reflexes below the injury level. Without stimulation uh, by a sympathetic nervous system, the vessel walls relax uncontrolled, resulting in sudden decrease in peripheral vascular resistance, leading to vasodilation and hypotension. Obstructive, obstructive shock. In this situation, the flow of blood is obstructed, which impedes circulation and can result in, circula in circulatory arrest. Several conditions result in this form of shock. Cardiac tamponade, in which the blood in the pericardium prevents inflow of the blood into the heart. Constrictive pericarditis, in which the pericardium shrinks and hardens, is similar to in presentation. Tension pneumothorax. Though th through increased intrathoracic pressure, blood flow to the heart is prevented. Venous return. Massive pulmonary embolism in the result in the is the result of a thromboembolic event in the blood vessels of the lungs and hinders the return of blood to the heart. Aortic stenosis hinders circulation by obstructing the ventricular outflow tract. Without knowing what to look for, it is possible to completely miss shock. Since there is no transition between the stages of shock, we must treat according to what we see. Pediatric patients are extremely tricky to discover shock due to the fact that the infants and children have the ability to vasoconstrict for longer periods of time, delaying the progression of symptoms that we normally associate with shock. And when they start displaying shock-like symptoms, the progression between the stages of shock is quick and sure. A pediatric patient can be treated according to the mechanism of injury before the presence of shock symptoms are seen. Always treat shock aggressively and transport to a facility that is capable of continuing your care where you left off and in accordance with your local protocols. Hypovolemic shock. Anxiety, restlessness, altered mental state due to decreased cerebral perfusion and subsequent hypoxia. Hypotension due to decrease in circulatory volume. A rapid, weak, thready pulse due to decreased blood flow combined with tachycardia. Cool, clammy skin due to vasoconstriction and stimulation of vasoconstriction. Rapid and shallow respirations due to sympathetic nervous system uh, and acidosis. Hypothermia due to decreased perfusion and evaporation of sweat. Thirst and dry mouth due to fluid depletion. Fatigue due to inadequate oxygenation. Cold and mottled skin especially in extremities due to insufficient perfusion of the skin, distracted look in the eyes and staring into space often with pupils dilated, cardiogenic shock similar to hypovolemic but, uh, but in addition distended jugular veins due to increased jugular venous pressure, absent radial pulse due to tachyarrhythmias, obstructive shock similar to hypovolemic shock but in addition ju distended jugular veins due to increased jugular vein pressure, Pulsus paradoxus is seen with a different blood pressure on inspiration and expiration of greater than 10 millimeters of mercury in the case of cardiac tamponade. Septic shock, similar to hypovolemic shock due to, uh, except in the first stages. Pyrexia and fever or hyperthermia due to overwhelming bacterial infection. Vasodilation and increased cardiac output due to sepsis. Neurogenic shock, similar to hypovolemic shock, except the skin's characteristics. In neurogenic shock, the skin is warm and dry. Anaphylactic shock, urticaria, localized edema, especially around the face, weak and rapid pulse, 
breathlessness and cough due to narrowing of airways and swelling to the, of the throat, marked hypotension. In the early stages, shock requires immediate intervention to preserve life. Therefore, the early recognition and treatment is paramount in the pre-hospital arena. The management of shock requires immediate intervention even before a differential diagnosis is made. Reestablishing perfusion to the organs is the primary goal through uh, restoring and maintaining the blood circulating volume, ensuring oxygenation and blood pressure are adequate, achieving and maintaining effective cardiac function, and preventing complications. Patients attending to the, with the symptoms of shock will have, regardless of the type of shock, their airway managed and oxygen therapy initiated. In case of respiratory insufficiency, intubation and mechanical ventilation may be necessary. The aim of these acts is to ensure survival during the transportation to the hospital. These interventions do not cure the cause of the shock. Specific treatment depends on the cause.